Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 178 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Eric. I'm not as fat as you think. I am Walquist, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... I'm Jesse. I literally just woke up, Wilson. Oh, waking up. I uh, accidentally took a nap. Mm-hmm. It was a surprise nap, and then... Uh, a couple minutes ago, my wife was like, Jesse, you should probably wake up. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't asleep, but I was totally asleep. Dude, naps sometimes are nasty, dude. How long was the nap for you? Probably about half an hour. A half hour is not bad. I feel like if I go like an hour, I wake up and I just feel like crap. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't... I've, I've become a pretty good napper, so I'm That's okay good. with it. Yeah, I guess a baby will do that to you, huh? Yeah, you, you kind of got to roll with the bunches. Got to roll with the naps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, other than naps, how was your week? Oh, fine. Yeah. I went to Zoo Lights, which was fine. A lot of lights at the zoo? <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of weird. They like mm-hmm. they open the zoo up in the winter here, and then they uh, set up a bunch of Christmas lights. Right. It's cool because there's a bunch of Christmas lights, but it's like... Why does this have to be at the zoo? Like, literally, there's no... You don't get to see any of the animals. So none of the animals are out? None of the animals. You can still go to the aquarium. Right. But, uh, which was packed because it's, like, the only warm place. Right. So you can go to a a crowded aquarium or you can look at, like, a 12th man Christmas tree. Love it. Or, like, it's supposed to look like an... uh, bald eagle like snatching salmon out of a river in christmas lights but there's still no animals there's no actual animals so, like the walruses aren't out at night no there's there's nothing and then it makes me wonder like does this piss off the animals like <laughs> are they trying to sleep right now should yeah. we even be here <laughs> i think the predators uh, you know like they gotta be a little disturbed because they can definitely hear us well but the predators are probably like most animals are nocturnal like a vast majority, I don't know. I'm stuck tucking in my ass here, but I'm like a lot of animals are nocturnal. Like yeah, that's true. You know, um, maybe like, they're fine. Maybe they're fine. Maybe they like the lights. I'm just wondering why they don't let them out so people can see them. Because it's really, really dark. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I still don't get it. I don't get the logic. You would have to like shine like spotlights on all the animals to be able to see them. It's great because then all you could see is a creepy little eyes reflecting back at you. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe there were some hidden amongst the <laughs> normal Christmas lights I just didn't notice because I'm a stupid monkey. Just like, burr, 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 burr. oh, look. Look at that. That's a go- lot. I saw the goats. I saw the, uh, mm-hmm. the aquarium animals. And I was actually surprised how many people will just stand and watch like the sharks in the oh, aquarium, yeah. which yeah. is kind of a pathetic aquarium. I remember it being really cool as a I kid. I know. It's small, man. It's pretty small. Yeah. Going back now yeah. and looking at it, especially after I just watched Blackfish. Yeah. Like, this is a little... Actually, that was before, but even without the empathy of <laughs> Blackfish, I was like, this is a small tank, yeah. and people are just standing here for a long time. Like, I stood there and watched the aquarium for longer than I normally would have if it mm-hmm. had just been on my own. And there are people like, when I came in, they were just standing there. And by the time I left, they were still just standing there, <laughs> including a, um, a teenage couple that were sharing a blanket, which made me like puke in my mouth. 
Why? Why? So you te- so you literally texted me about this teenage couple. It made me mad. Why? Because like. I get it. You're a teenage couple and you right. want to be like all lovey-dovey, mm-hmm. gross stuff, but you're in public and it's your uh, <laughs> adult parent's responsibility to make not allow you to do things that make passers-by vomit in their own mouth because <laughs> you're doing these gross things. <laughs> so teenagers in a blanket, no way. That's vomit-inducing. It, it might have been okay if they had been outside because it was cold. Mm. So mm. I get it. Go to Zoo Lights, bring a blanket, be all cozy. I and get I got it. my, you know, girlfriend there and mm. we're going to cozy up under the blanket because it's at Zoo Lights and it's romantic and it's cold outside. Fine. But when you go into the aquarium, it's literally like 85 degrees and totally humid. Yeah. Stop. And there's some nurse sharks floating around. Yeah, it is way too warm in here for you to necessitate the blanket, and you're just standing there all cozied up under a blanket together in front of everyone. See, now I understand. Now I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, so... But that's the thing, like, you know, when I was in high school, like, the blanket with the girlfriend, that's, like, uncharted territory. Right, which is why you do it in... In secret. I could not be more, like, nervously uncomfortable as a high schooler than when a blanket was involved with with one of my girlfriends and I. Exactly. They were uh, proudly broadcasting it in front of everyone. <laughs> I understand now. And, you know, okay. is that the environment I want to raise my daughter in? I don't think so. <laughs> is this the America that I want to raise my daughter in? I don't think so. Shark but, teens. Um, besides that, it was cool. Cool, man. Well, I had a good week. I played a lot of, I played a lot of football on Sunday. And uh, my groin is still sore. Um, and then I, uh, I'm going to roll this right into the dedication. I'm going to dedicate this episode to Sid and Joy. Uh, Sid is uh, one of our listeners, one of our loyal listeners here on the podcast. And he came to Seattle this week with his girlfriend, Joy, because they're thinking about moving here. And they emailed me, and I went and hung out with them last night. We drank a lot of beer. We played a lot of uh, board games, and we ate a lot of burgers. What would you play? Uh, we played, uh, well, we didn't play a lot of board. I guess we played two. We played Flashpoint Fire Rescue and Dixit. Oh, I ha- I still haven't played Dixit. What was your experience like? Uh, I think it's just like a super light party game. Um, you know, it's it doesn't have, obviously, it doesn't have the uh, the edge, the edginess of Cards Against Humanity. But, so it's like you you kind of draw cards and they have images right. on them and you're trying to make a story with the images. Well, basically, yeah, it has like a printed image on it. It has like a painting on it, on your card. And then you say, so you look at your cards and when it's your turn, you say, you give a clue. Like uh, you could say like King Kong. And then you like put your card down, face down. And then everybody else plays cards that they think go along with King Kong. And uh, and basically the object of the game is to figure out which card the person who put the card down drew. Interesting. Um, but if nobody picks your card as your, as the person who gave the clue, then you get zero points. If everybody picks your card as the person who gave the clue, you get zero points. So you right. want, so you can't just give a shitty clue. Exactly. Cause then you'll just lose. Right. Um, so you, what you want is you want some people to pick your clue and some people to pick other people's clues. That's like the object of the game. This is one I think I want to pick up and put in my library mm-hmm. for like when Elsa's a little bit Russell Nisha that oh, is yeah. a little bit older. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one, and it's like super light. You can explain the rules in like two seconds, and yeah. uh, and they also have a great uh, like the scoreboard basically has all the rules on it for reference. 
All the Is it worthy of a, the uh, uh, coveted Spiel Diare, in your opinion? Did it win that? Yeah, it did. Oh, I don't think so. I, I wasn't that impressed with it. I mean, it's just basically a guest party game. And there's a million of those now. Right, there really are. Yeah. Um, but it was, like like I said, really easy, really light. It was something you could play over beers, and you could explain the rules in two seconds. So I think it worked great. But I'm leaving out Sid and Joy. I just want to give a shout-out to Sid and Joy. Uh, thanks so much for meeting up with me last night. Uh, we got to walk around Ballard a little bit. It was very fun. Yeah, and I wish I could have been there, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, logistically, it's a little tough for you to get down here midweek. Um, but if uh, anybody else is coming to Seattle, uh, be sure to drop us a line, and uh, at least I'll hang out with you. And if you, you might get the bonus prize of Jesse. Cool thing about <laughs> Sid and Joy is that they are both uh, li- reside in Southern California, and I think I could. I think we can announce this now. Mm. Is that Bipax 2014 will be in San Diego, California? Um, the jury's still out on Jesse whether he's going to be down there. But confirmed, we have Eric is going to be down there. That's me. We have Aaron's going to be there. Jim's going to be there. Uh, Rocky Mountain correspondent Levi is going to be there. And then Wild Card that I don't think anybody knows about. His name's Ian, and he's also going to be there. The Wild Card. So yeah, uh, uh, Scalia court uh, veteran. Yeah. So uh, if uh, if you're going to be in San Diego at the, or anywhere in Southern California at the end of February, uh, we're going to be having a meetup. So keep your ear to the ground for that. And uh, Bald Move is, is invading San Diego at the end of February. So um, so Sid might come to that as well because he lives down there in Palm Springs. Anyway, episode is dedicated to Sid. Uh, Jesse, what are you drinking this week? I'm drinking some of my homebrew that's t- really tasty at the mm. moment, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm also got I got a session for backup. <laughs> well, Jesse, I am uh, drinking. I'm gonna call this a blast from the past pale ale. I'm drinking a Hale's Pale Ale. Oh yeah, how's it tasting? It's actually pretty good. I I think this is probably my favorite beer from Hale's. Yeah, I used to like that one a lot when I worked there. Yeah. So old old veteran Hales Pale Ale from Jesse. I loved it when you lived here, and every time I come over to podcast, you'd have like seven bottles of Hefe <laughs> in your fridge and like a bunch of short pours. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Hales was, was on times. Hales was on sale, and uh, the, when it, when you have a rhyme that's timing like that, then you got to pick it up. You mean the Hales Ale sale? Mm-hmm. And don't brick it up. Nope. All right. Uh, so we do have some listener feedback this week. Uh, I want to get to that. We'll start off with a voicemail from none other than our brotherly love correspondent, JR from Philly. Here he is. What's up, guys? It's JR from Philly. And I have a little birds of a feather observation I want to test out on you. Let me know what you think. If you like craft beer, you probably appreciate attention to detail learning the steps of the brewing process along the way and learning the vocabulary of the different styles like stouts and IPAs, dry hopping. Uh, In fact, many people write in and ask Jesse where they can learn more about the tools you use to brew. So I think if you like craft beer, you'd also like This Old House for the same reason. This Old House is one of the last few truly educational shows about home improvement and home ownership. Instead of showing you the money shot before and after picks, they take the time to show you every detailed step of the process. And I think this is much in the spirit of brewers. Uh, I've learned so much vocabulary and architectural styles and uh, tools from watching that show. But for every pyramid snowcap, 
there's also a Miller Lite. And HGTV is the Miller Lite of home improvement shows. The whole gamut. People that drink Miller Lite don't really care how it's made. They just want to get drunk. And these trash, trashy renovation shows cut out all the process. They skip right to the before and after shots. But not before putting the classic sledgehammer in the homeowner's hand where they're all like, Oh, I don't know how to use this thing. And eventually they put some holes in some drywall or windows. Not unlike a college kegger fueled by Miller Lite. So, what do you think about my observation? Do you think those who choose craft beer over Miller Lite also prefer this old house over HGTV? And what other birds of a feather connections do you think craft beer drinkers share? Let me know what you think. Keep up the good work, guys. Get off my backs. <laughs> Get off all my backs, JR. Get off every single one of my backs. Uh, I like this analogy. I think that JR has officially slipped into married life. Yeah, uh, if he's <laughs> quoting home improvement shows. Uh, but one of the things, because like I watch this old house and I watch it like, uh, like it's always like kind of on on like the Create channel. I didn't realize it was still on. I thought that was like a '90s thing. Oh yeah, it's still on. It's it's like Ask This Old House now. So it's not This Old House with Bob Vila. Now it's Ask This Old House. Now they have four guys. Yeah. They have the landscaping guy. They have the mm. plumbing guy. They have mm. the electrician guy, and they have the carpenter guy. So, uh, anyway, they, so, but my favorite thing about this old house is that they mic them up so much. So <laughs> I, it's like this weird thing where they'll be like explaining something and then they're like going to start screwing in something with the screwdriver, but the mic is still like really loud. And so you can hear them breathing while, <laughs> while like screwdrive. So they're like, all right. And they're all from Boston. They're like, all right. So we're gonna, you know, screw in this, uh, this, this furnace here. And then they, like, put the screwdriver in, and they're just like. It's so great. It's, Maybe something... it's to let you know how intense it is. It is. Well, that's, like, any time that I'm using a screwdriver, I always get, like, really antsy. I don't know what is that it is. true? Yeah, like, you know, if you ever have a screwdriver something that's above your head, it's like, then your shoulders start getting all tense, and then you're like, and you start to sweat. Beads of sweat drip down your face. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe I only watch it out of admiration for the sheer skill of these guys. Then. <laughs> I watch it for the same reason I watch the NFL. But it's not like something that like, I can't tell you what time it's on, but every t every once in a while I'll channel surf to this old house. In fact, I did it right before we were podcasting really? uh, and just watching a new uh, new uh, furnace get put in. So, Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think, um, I think you can ap appreciate a uh, process mm -hmm. and um, when you see a really good, uh, well-made product you can kind of understand yeah uh the process that went into it and appreciate that as opposed to just like admiring something from you know walmart some piece of crap that's gonna break in you know six months well yeah and like you also i mean i feel like and i don't know if this is a western washington thing but like i feel like home brewers or or not home brewers but but micro brews here it really identifies with like that woodsman culture. It's like you have a beard, uh, there's a mountain <laughs> or something. Like you go to a, like a, a craft brew bar in Seattle, and it's like uh, all wooden panel interior with probably at least three dead animals on the wall. And 
and like maybe a wooden bar, like a solid wooden bar, and then like maybe a tap without any real tap handles on it, and just like little knobs that are made out of like cork. Like there's something yeah, like homemade I think that's about just it. Seattle hipsters trying to actually look tough. Yeah, despite the fact they're all just a bunch of sissy yuppies. <laughs> Your curly mustache gave you away, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the call, JR. We appreciate it. We also got a couple of emails this week. Uh, one we got from Sean O'Connor. He says, So my awesome girlfriend got me an amazing present for Christmas this year. I know you guys should appreciate it. Uh, so I wanted to send a few pictures. As you can see, it's a very, very badass Settlers of Catan playboard and storage unit. She had one of my woodworking friends design it and build it. I feel a tiny bit of Game of Thrones vibe in it. Uh, which only makes it cooler. Uh, anyway, thanks and have a good day. This is a great email. Um, it promise it's like a great tease because he promises pictures, but then he doesn't actually attach them. Yeah, I thought maybe I was missing something. No, I was so like, my, I, my I imagination. Don't think I, I can see anything. <laughs> yeah. So my imagination is running wild. But this sounds like a great idea. Like I like in the future, you know, game mechanics cannot be copyrighted. Board game mechanics or, or video game mechanics, they cannot be copyrighted. So it would be interesting to see, like, in the future, um, you know, like, somebody you go over to somebody's house and they have, like, a really nice chess set. If, like, you go over to somebody's house and they have, like, a really nice Catan board or a really nice, you know, designer Carcassonne mm. wooden thing or something. Hmm. Um, Are you future. sure they can't be copyrighted? Yeah, game mechanics themselves cannot be copyrighted. Right, so, that explains why there is um, Settlers of Canaan. Yeah, exactly. The biblical-themed Settlers <laughs> yeah. of Catan. Well, there's also, um, like, you know, all of those Opoly games. Like, those right. are not made by Milton Bradley or whatever. Yeah, those that's are, true. Like, the, that's they're just using the Monopoly mechanics and then basically parodying them around mm -hmm. Washington Husky football or whatever. But I love German Shepherd Opoly. Well, it's good. That's that's probably the best Opoly. I literally saw one that was nothing but German Shepherds. <laughs> like, how many fucking types of German Shepherds are there? You're already hyper-specific. There's like 52 pieces, like, <laughs> sections of the board. It gets really morbid. Like, they just start chopping up the German Shepherd. Like, <laughs> you, you got... <laughs> Tail section number three. <laughs> it's worth a lot. Yeah. You got the like fangs. Go to, uh, I don't know, the fang jail. Um, <laughs> the anyway. pound, maybe? Yeah, go to the pound. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> Free barking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, Sean, this is a invitation. Please send those pictures along. I'd actually really like to see it. Um, and then next, uh, Michael, uh, when he had emailed us, he, we gave us some podcasting tips last week. He said, Hey, fellas, thanks for the input on starting my podcast. It really helped me break down what I need to get started. I hope you don't mind if I pick your brains from time to time. What are your thoughts on using music? The info online seems fuzzy at best. Since I don't plan on trying to profit, am I in the clear? What about fair use? Stay arrogant. P.S. Thanks for the offer of letting me take the reins of the CDOC press box. It'd be an honor. Um, so Sean, the thing about this is like, like you're not going to get sued if you use popular music right. probably because there's no music company is going to be like, Oh, your podcast that has like, you know, a, a tiny little following is, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to diminish your podcast, but a nice core group of followers is you're an asshole. I know. Right. Uh, is like, there's no record company that's going to be on your back about that, but 
if you just want to be safe, like there are a lot of people out there who would be willing to donate music to your podcast. I'm sure if you just do a little searching, um, like all of the songs and all the drops on our podcast are either done by me or they're done by our awesome friend, Mark Griffin, who just comes up with this stuff and sends it to us. Like basically all our eight, eight bit stuff, our eight bit theme at the beginning of the podcast. Um, this is all, uh, just our, our, our buddy, Mark Griffin sending that stuff in. So you could try to find something there. Another thing, if you have GarageBand, all of those loops are royalty free. So you can, uh, just make a loop song really easily and then put that in your podcast. Um, just from an originality standpoint, I would suggest doing that instead of, you know, using established music, but you could do whatever you want, really. I mean, you're not going to get in trouble, but if you want something to be original, I would just suggest maybe try to find like an original artist who wants to donate their music or DIY, man. Let's let's this old houses thing. It's not that tough these days. Um, so that's my, that's my two cents on that. The other thing I, uh, I just want to iterate on this is, uh, if you want to start a podcast, guys, get a mixer. If you're going to be serious about podcasting, you should probably get a mixer. There are a lot of USB microphones out there that you can just plug into your computer and, uh, and, you know, start podcasting. But, you know, having a mixer is invaluable because it will allow you to adjust levels on the fly. You can have guests on the show really easily. You can insert music really easily. You can edit everything live, which is kind of what we do on this podcast. Um, we edit very, very little and our mixer allows us to do that. So I would, I would really strongly suggest to get a mixer. Like I said, we use the Behringer Xenix 802. It's like $60. It's really not that bad to buy this mixer and, and it's a workhorse. You can use it forever. Podcasting. And uh, Jesse, you sound a little uh, you sound a little clearer tonight because you got your own mixer and your own microphone. That I do. That you do. All right, buddy. So that's our listener feedback for the week. Let's go, let's move on to the little tiny Matt roll off. What do you say? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do it. Okay, we're each gonna roll twenty sided dice. See who gets to talk first on the podcast this week. And here we go. Well, I rolled a one. Oh, well, cool. I rolled a six. I thought I lost. Well. I disappointed you. All right. Well, this week we're going to start off the podcast with a little segment about video games. Here we go. Finish All right. Well, this week at CES, we got a lot of new news for video games. CES is a consumer electronics show. It's held annually in Las Vegas and uh, got a couple really interesting uh, announcements, first from Valve and then from Sony. So, Jesse, the uh, Valve released its first hardware specs and prices for third-party Steam machines at the Consumer Electronics Show. These things range from $500 all the way up to, what's the most expensive, $6,000 for a Steam machine. Wow. But I think that, I think that Steam might have won me over, dude. <laughs> yeah? Cause, yeah, because we've been talking about these console wars, you know? Uh, you've already you've already kind of been slipping down that path by playing uh, Civilization every thursday i know dude well our, our our weekly civ nights have kind of turned me around because civ is so good man it's such a great game i actually talked to somebody at work today about civ oh really and he brought it up in conversation he's like yeah my wife like loves civ i was like i love civ <laughs> i love I be it. your wife 
Oh, my favorite thing about Civ is that you just spent a hundred turns <laughs> embroiled in war with the city state. It w- yeah, but they were the first hundred turns. That's that's how you know it was a good war. Yeah, I know. Like you literally started. Like, was like your first turn you attack them? I am Attila the Hunt. No, it wasn't turn one, but it was it was about as soon as I possibly mm. could. Meanwhile, it was like I- turn five or something. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have four cities. I've established a religion. Uh, mm-hmm. I built train long. routes to the. <laughs> I'm Attila, scourge of God. Yeah, well, you got to get through France and Korea first. Uh, I got open borders. They're blocking my path. Anyway, <laughs> I love Civ, and honestly, Civ has really opened my eyes to the potential of Steam, and also other games that are really easy to get on Steam. You know, if you want to buy a game on Xbox Live Arcade, it's kind of a hassle. Right, like you gotta first, you gotta purchase the. I guess now it's all dollars. I, I oh, did they it. change that? Because that's the yeah. first thing that annoys me, and it, it yeah. goes against my cardinal law of business, which is don't make it hard for me to give yes, you money. Exactly. Yeah, the whole thing of like, oh, I gotta buy the points first, and then so spend I have to spend my money on your money. Yeah, and usually that meant that you had to spend more money on a game because yeah, your points well, last, didn't like. Last time I checked, out. Microsoft, you live your out of Seattle, Washington. I don't think I should have to endure a currency exchange <laughs> to complete this transaction. Yeah, so they went to dollars. I haven't actually what what happened is when, right when they went to dollars, I had like a dollar 50 left in my account. So I bought a Seahawks helmet for my uh for my dude. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like I'm sure they just chipped everyone of their points. Yeah. Like guess what? These are done now. Bye. Oh no, they they exchanged them. They seem to oh, okay. cash. Uh, but um, anyway, so, but Steam is just so easy to buy games. And like this, and especially with the Steam sales, you basically get three Steam sales a year. You get the summer sale, the winter sale, and then the holiday sale. So it's like super easy to, and then you have great titles that have come out like Gone Home and the, and, uh, the Stanley Parable, which are games that I really want to play. Also available, really easy to get on Steam. Right. So, and, and I'm also really intrigued by the Steam controller. Like, I really want to try that thing. Yeah, I want to try that too when that comes out. Yeah. So the other part about this is, like, I always assume that Steam machines are going to be more expensive than consoles. And it looks like, yes, if you want... Just $6,000. Yeah, if you, no want to, if you want to put six grand into your Steam machine, you could do that. But for the $500... Um, level you can get in and get comparable hardware to an Xbox 360 or a PS4, and cool. like I don't need all of the extra stuff. I'm not gonna stream my game probably, <laughs> and if I really wanted to do that, I could probably figure out a way to do that through my computer. Right. Also, I'm not. I don't need Netflix. I don't need Amazon because I use my Roku box for that. Right. So if I can get games really easily. If I can get more titles, if I can get independent titles, and I can get all this stuff on my television, why wouldn't I get a Steam machine if they're the same price as an Xbox 360 or a PS4? Because you can't play Halo. <laughs> you can play Halo 1. Halo 1 was a PC game. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun <laughs> playing Halo 1. Blood Gulch, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> um and the other part about this is these are all introductory prices. As we know, technology prices fall. So will I buy the $500 Steam box? 
Nah, eh, probably not. But I wonder what the Steam boxes will cost, like at the end of 2014. Right. And do I really need to buy, a, you know, a new console before then? Probably not. So I am really intrigued by the Steam box, and I think I might forego the PS4 and the Xbox 360 altogether to get the Steam box on my on my TV. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it. And and at the same level, I mean, there's got to be like Steam box kits that are going to come out too. Like build your Steam box, yeah, right? It's called building a computer. <laughs> I, I, don't mean, know I, don't, I don't get why you can't just build a PC. Well, you can. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've, I've actually looked into building a PC and I can't get it. I can't get a PC that I want for, uh, for $500 or less. Yeah, that's probably true. So I was just under the impression that these would be exuberantly expensive, but if they're going to be competitively priced with the consoles of the day, you know, after the first price drop of the 360 or after the first price drop of the PS4, uh, I don't see any reason not to get a Steam box over one of those consoles. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I still am not sold on the consoles, especially not the Xbox. Yeah, especially. I mean, one of the big selling points of the Xbox is the Connect function. And every video, every demonstration I've seen of Connect functionality is is like janky, dude. Oh, yeah. It works I like haven't 80% even of the seen time. anything. Yeah, like all the voice commands, they work like 80% of the time. Like, that's not... That's not the technology. This wasn't promised to me at the Century 21 exposi- Exposition in Seattle in 1962. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to get a 2DS, though. Yeah, 2DS would be clutch. Yeah, I'm just fun. waiting for, like, like, why doesn't Nintendo make a phone, dude? The Nintendo phone? Yeah. Because they're a toy company. The DS phone. I understand it. They're not trying to make, like, consumer gadgets. They're making toys. I guess that's completely true. I mean, you look at the internet functionality of even the Wii U, and it's like, yeah, you know, we're definitely not in the tech game, guys. We're in the toy game. That That's a really good analysis, actually, Jesse. Apt. Sir. Thank you. Apt. I appreciate it. Yeah. Those are in the trading card business. They're into making trading cards. <laughs> All right. So the next news that came out of CES uh, is... Very interesting. It's the PlayStation Now service. So what the PlayStation Now service is, is basically Netflix for video games. It's a streaming game service. And it looked like, it looks like from the presentation at CES that PlayStation Now was first going to focus on getting as many PS3 games as possible onto the PlayStation Now network. Um, really interesting thing about PlayStation Now so, like I said before, it's a streaming game service. So it's like Netflix. You go and you select your game. You, uh, they they didn't give any pricing on it, so I don't know if it's a subscription model or if it's a renting individually model, like an Amazon Prime, um, where you can go in and rent the latest game, or or some kind of conglomeration of both, with a, which I guess is what Amazon Prime is. Uh, but you can play these PlayStation games on a PS3, a PS4. Uh, a PS Vita, so you can play like all of the PS3 games that are available on a PS Vita wherever you are. And then they're also talking about having this available on tablets, on PCs, and on phones. So basically, they're trying to make this Netflix of gaming available even on 
uh, products that aren't normally associated with Sony or normally associated with gaming. So, like, if you have a Sony Bravia TV, you can stream games to it if you have, I guess, a PS4 controller uh, connected by blue- via Bluetooth. Um, so that was the thing that really sparked my interest about this, is that you can play these games not on a game console. So hmm. That's really bizarre. It is bizarre, and I think that it's 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 an interesting thing because this CES is really kind of I think showing where video gaming is going in the future. When you have a Steam box, which is uh, a Steam box that's endorsed by Valve but made by a lot of third party manufacturers, they they announce Steam boxes from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 12 different manufacturers. So you can have specs for a machine, have them made by a third party, and have them endorsed by the company, um, which is a crazy step in the console. Like consoles have always been associated with a single company from the beginning. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is like, we, you don't even need a console. If you have the right uh, infrastructure built, you can play this thing on your phone. You can play any PS3 game you want on your phone. Um, and yeah, I guess hardware is getting there. Yeah, it's like you don't need hardware anymore. You don't need a console. I, so that's kind of the question I, I'm asking you, Jesse. Is like, did PS4 and Xbox and and Nintendo with the Wii U, did they completely miss the boat here in building a console? And like everybody talked about this being the last generation of consoles, and I think that it is. All signs are pointing to this definitely being the last generation of consoles as we know them. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think people still want to be able to buy the thing. Mm. Let's not forget that most people have way more money than us okay. and get a thrill out of making a big purchase. Uh huh. So for one thing, they want to go to the store and buy it because it makes them feel good. Okay. Which I totally understand. Yep. Welcome to America. It does feel good to make a cool purchase. Yep. And then you just want to be able to plug it in and uh, play and have your deal work the way you want it to. You don't want to have to like conjigger and be like, I know that somewhere in the cloud I have my game and it should be <laughs> backwards compatible with this uh, vintage television I have. And uh, yeah. hopefully I can get the Bluetooth to work on my uh, controller without having to go download uh, certain... Uh, yeah. I, what are the things you download? Drivers. Drivers yeah. <laughs> through my uh, smart TV. Yeah. You know, I think people are going to want more of a plug and play option, but they're going to have to keep that price point down, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that like basically $500 is now the introductory price for a game console. That's, yeah. And and the thing that that shows me is that, um, and you know, Xbox 360 and PS3 were similarly priced when they first came out. So we'll see what happens with the price drops. Well, yeah. But I what mean, that tells me is like, if I'm going to spend $500 on a console, there's no reason not to get a computer instead. When, um, if you look at like the price of an Atari when it came out mm-hmm. and adjusted for inflation, it was like $700. Yeah. Like the for first- like nothing. The- for nothing, like <laughs> yeah. to do nothing, really. Yeah, like the first VCRs were literally a thousand dollars, not even adjusting for inflation. Yeah, in like seventies money. Yeah, and so I think people, uh, there, there's just something about going out and buying the thing. Mm-hmm. Go buy the thing. Yeah. Just please go buy the thing, guys. You know you want the thing. We have the thing. <laughs> the thing is five hundred dollars. You want the thing. 
you have $500, come buy the thing, and then you have the thing, and then you feel good. <laughs> well, another interesting part about this is that, like, you know, Netflix came out, and then Gamefly came out, where you can rent video games via mail. Right. Now that PlayStation Now is coming out, there's already an infrastructure in place to get things like Amazon Prime onto your television or Netflix onto your television. It'd be interesting to see if one of those established brands utilizes the technology or the innovation that Sony's brought forward to bring a game streaming service through uh, an established brand already. Like I think Amazon is actually the one that's most primed for this. Uh, pun intended. Pun I definitely suppose. intended. Because <laughs> I mean, a lot of people already buy their video games through Amazon because they have the cheapest price. A lot of times, they'll give you a bonus for buying your video game there, and they have a uh, uh, launch day delivery guarantee. So yeah, but you're not going to be able to play like cutting edge stuff on your TV. That's streaming what, it. That's not going to work. That's what PlayStation Now, everybody... It's tried. not going to work. All right. Well, I, There's I, too much lag time between like streaming and like... It, it, so nope. it's got to go to like a center where they have a bunch of rigs set up and then like bounce back to your TV. That, there, that is the case, Jesse. But I mean, five years ago, I mean, a, a streaming TV model for movies was even... Something that was, I mean, uh, something that was like, oh, well, video on the internet sucks, so why would we watch something streaming onto our yeah, television? Yeah, but, I mean, internet? I don't have to, like, if I'm playing a Twitch-based game like Resident yeah. Evil yeah. or something, I need split-second, I need it to register, like, on a split-second between the controller and then the input on the TV and, like, coming back to my brain so my brain can function <laughs> and yeah. process it and react and everything. I just don't think it's going to be fast enough. I and and even at CES when these things weren't even over Wi-Fi when they were hooked up to an Ethernet cable, um, the the guy demoing it for Polygon was like playing God of War and he was rolling back and forth and there was like a little half second lag between when he hit it and when the guy rolled. Yeah, and that's I think over that, Ethernet. That lag is going to be infuriating, and we're going to trust yeah. Comcast to keep you know. <laughs> Provide us with fast enough internet connections yeah. to make this all seamless? I don't think uh, so. Well, the skeptic is here, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 So you think there's going to be like another Xbox and, and the PS5? You think yeah, eventually? Yeah, totally. All right. I think that the – I feel like the Harbinger of Doom is, is on the horizon for these guys. Yeah, and I, think, I don't know. I think the business is so good. Yeah. I, I just – I don't – I it'll go out with a whimper, not a bang when it does go out. I suppose, man. I mean, we're looking at a year where Grand Theft Auto had a billion dollars in sales in 30 hours. Yeah. So I guess the industry is probably stronger than it's ever been. <laughs> so and, yeah. and this is the and, model that works. And I think, I feel like these companies control enough major titles to... Yeah. Uh, kind of strong arm people into their consoles, also. Yeah, yeah. If they choose to, Brave New World, sir. Yeah, great game, great <laughs> expansion. It is a great expansion, dude. Oh my god, <laughs> founding a religion was like the greatest thing ever. My people still have zero faith, <laughs> dude. I'm getting, I'm getting like nine faith a turn, uh -huh. and I'm building a cathedral. We will see your cathedrals burn. Oh God! I need to ally we with Korea. We are the Huns. I need to ally Scourge with Korea. Of God. 
<laughs> All right, Jesse, what's your first topic? Mm. Let me jump to science. Science. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Right, stop. Was that JR from Philly? That was JR from Philly. Cool. Doppelganger. So, um... A paralyzed teenager using mind-controlled exoskeleton will start off the World Cup in 2014 in Brazil thanks to the Walk Again project, and this is so cool. What? Yeah, so the exoskeleton will support the lower part of the body and enable the paralyzed wearer to walk using wireless electrodes attached to the head that collect brain waves, which then signal the suit to move. Oh my goodness. So that's how we're going to kick off the World Cup in 2014, which, by the way, in case you weren't keeping track, is this year. (laughs) I honestly was not keeping track. I was like, oh, the World Cup's like still like three years away. Yeah, a lot of people weren't keeping track, but it turns out it's this year, and a a paralyzed robo-cyborg is going to kick it all off, which is super cool. Dude, that's insane. Like, future is now. I feel like the the theme for this podcast is future is now. I'd say the future is wow. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we got instantly streaming um, hardware-free uh, downloadable content on your smart TV. Right. And then we also got cyborgs kicking robot uh, soccer balls. Jeez, that's amazing. Where's this guy from? Is he from Brazil? I'm guessing Brazil. Wow. Um, Walk Again Project is a non-profit collaboration among the Duke University Center of Neuroengineering. Pretty sure that's in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Munich, yeah. Swiss, um, and Brazil, and UC Davis, and Kentucky. So a lot Ooh. of people making this happen. Roger Dotsy's probably in on this thing. I think I think the doc himself, he's, he's got like some sort of tooth-related thing. Yeah. Like you can use your – you can – you can manipulate your teeth. Mm-hmm. Tooth transmitter. If, yeah, when you have like a throw-in, mm-hmm. you can just click your teeth together and create a throw-in. <laughs> well, his arms still work, right? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but who cares? It's not I mean, as good as a robot arm. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this is so crazy, man. Like, oh, man, mind-controlled cyborg legs. It just, I mean, it takes me to like... Uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand, uh-huh. where you have like robot, like the Space Marines are like, yeah. Wh- when you get to the point where you can't, you're like too beat up to do anything. We'll put you in this giant robot suit that you can control with your brain, and you become <laughs> this giant robot killing machine. And we're like basically there now. Yeah, well, it's r- pretty rad. And like with this, this also reminds me of is like, I mean, of course, this is like a huge stride for people who are, are paraplegic or quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's, I mean, like, I'm, I, I don't know if this is a site because I'm a huge geek, but like, my mind immediately went to Doc Oct, like, Oct, Octo Arms. So, like, you could have like four arms. Oh, yeah. Or four feet. Right? I could use a couple more feet. Why not? Put me in like a, I want to be like a, um, like a centaur. Mm hmm. Give me like a whole robotic half of my body. I'm not sure that this technology necessarily needs to be used on the able-bodied. What is why? Why do you need a horse body? 
Because it would be cool. Stability, for so one. daughter can walk. So you can walk with your daughter on your back? <laughs> yeah, so my, <laughs> so my daughter can ride me. It's actually kind of great, because then you it's like an Insta-stroller. So you can mm-hmm. just walk along, and your daughter is there, and you don't have to push it or anything. Yeah. The uh, robot legs take all the burden. Yeah, or if you're like uh, the super smart guy I am, you'll go to uh, Zoo Lights and forget to bring a stroller, so you have to carry her in your arms all the time. They didn't have the dolphin strollers? They don't have the dolphin strollers anymore. What? Yeah, right? No, you know what I think it is? is Those were actually beluga strollers. They were belugas, and they got rid of the belugas. They got rid of the belugas, and uh, spoiler alert, and also depression alert, they sent them (laughs) to SeaWorld San Antonio. Uh-oh. 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 Facepalm. Tilikum bait, we call that. Dude, that was like... When I was a kid, I loved going to see the belugas. And now I feel like the wool has been pulled over my eyes. Yeah, I definitely would not be able to. But here's the thing. like They still have belugas at the... Um... Uh, the the zoo in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh huh. And after watching this movie, Blackfish, I'm like, I I can't support a a zoo that keeps whales in captivity anymore. This is the major. But I question. also love the zoo in uh, British Columbia. Well, and this it's is a great the, one. This is the major question, sir, because like I love zoos. Like I love the. I live two blocks from the Woodland Park Zoo here in Seattle. I love, like when my wife and I went on our honeymoon, we went to the zoo in 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 uh, Palm Springs, and it was wonderful. Right. But the question is, where do you draw the line? Because that is a good question. If you can't have orcas in a zoo, which I I'm like I don't want orcas in a zoo. What about every other animal? Yeah, I've I've asked my sister about this. For those of yeah. you that don't know about the uh, details of my sister. She's a wildlife specialist, and mm-hmm. she works in Australia uh, doing wildlife rehabilitation and relocation and stuff. Right. I've asked her, like, what her opinions are on zoos, and she says, on one hand, it sucks to, you know, take an orangutan out of the wild. Right. Where it can roam and be free and live its life. and then, But then she says, on the other hand, it actually it does a lot to promote uh, conservation. Yeah. And using, uh, like, awareness to educate people on uh, different animals and different animal causes. And it, it zoos actually do bring in uh, good resources to wildlife conservation and stuff. So it's, right. it's kind of like a catch-22. Yeah, I mean, basically where I draw the line for me personally is A, with whales, and then B, whales with, for sure. and B with elephants. Because elephants, like mm-hmm. whales, travel... Like yeah, they roam a lot. They roam forever, and there's a lot of evidence of whales getting you know super depressed and in 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 the confines of captivity. I guess the thing is, and again, this turned into a I know right? talk all <laughs> right? of a sudden, which is fine, I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah. But like they were talking about it, and they're like, "We did an MRI on a whale, and it turns out they have a whole part of the uh, brain that's related to emotions that humans don't even have." Right. It's like, maybe don't put things that have super advanced brains in zoos. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Like, you go to this, Willem Park has orangutans, and when you see, and even gorillas, like, they have gorillas too. When you see these great apes in the zoo, there's something human in their eyes. That is really bizarre, you the know? apes. Because, I mean, that is that is a stone's throw away from being a human, literally. Right? Like, yeah. if they pick up a stone and figure out how to throw it, they're humans, basically. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that yeah, so it's like, where do you draw the line? Because at the same time, too, like, people have dogs. Dogs live in the wild. They're going to roam, right? Yeah. And I you're mean, confining I a, a dog. Yorkie poo, so I don't right. think that counts. Your dogs would die immediately. <laughs> I'm talking like a golden retriever, right? Yeah. My sister yeah. has a golden retriever, uh, you know, and they live in a townhouse here in Seattle. Um, and of course they take her for walks. They take her to the dog park. She gets plenty of time to run around, but she doesn't have the same amount if she was a wild animal. Right. Right. Well, I think that's different because that's a domesticated animal. No, and I'm not saying, and that's what I'm saying is like, obviously dogs are happy. Like my sister's dog is like one of the happiest dogs I've ever seen. I literally had a dream about my sister's dog last night where she was (laughs) talking to me and it was awesome. I bet. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm happy. I love, I've known my sister's dog since she was a puppy. Every time I see her, we hang out. She loves me. I love her. It's a great relationship, right? So there's also, but that's a, that's a captive animal. So I just don't, like, on the one hand, you have your golden retriever in, in a house. On the other hand, you have a whale in a swimming pool. And where is the happy medium, right? <laughs> yeah, of, that's, that's of a good where question. It's, when it's acceptable to keep an animal in captivity. I honestly feel like there needs to be like some sort of like brain development, mm. brain evolution scale where we yeah. can cap it. Be like, all right, when you're at this point, your brain is too evolved to be able to live here. Yeah. Keep all the naked mole rats and puffins you want. <laughs> yeah. But, but orangutans, great apes, and uh, beluga whales. Uh, I'm not. I'm not so keen on that. Elephants. Elephants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great question, and and then on the very far spectrum, you also have captive animals that we just eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. Crazy, I mean that's man. another great question. I've been yeah. thinking about getting into hunting. Yeah, and um, well, you're you're like straight up peninsula now, man. I know, and when when it comes to like meat consumption, mm-hmm. there's something inherently shitty about like factory farming. Yeah, I can see it that. Maybe the thing is, like, if you want to be a responsible meat eater, maybe you just only eat game that you've actually hunted. Because that's, I mean, that's like as free as it gets. You're a majestic elk, you're rolling around the Olympic National Forest, and then all of a sudden you get a couple arrows in your side and you're done. Right. But you had a pretty good run up till that point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're not hunting in the forest, in the National Forest. Uh, no, you just park. wait till they wander off, off, off grounds, the and then it's a well. And, and that's game. a very that's a very popular stance. You know, Michael Pollan in the omnivores omnivores dile- dilemma uh, addressed that about like. And, oh, and really? the fact of the matter is, as humans, we have to eat things that were alive in order to keep ourselves alive. True. Yeah. You all, have all to, organisms do. You have to eat. It's it's kind of this crazy thing. It's like you have to eat things that are dead that were once alive in order to stay alive. We're, Let could, me take that back real quick. I understand not org- all organisms do that. Yeah, not all, but like the majority. Right. Yeah, the vast majority of organisms. Like you got to eat something that was once alive or else you're not going to get the sustainment. So right. it's anyway. This is really this really went off the rails, man. Anyway, the point is I'm going to use my new I just ordered off of Amazon mm-hmm. uh, one of those robot suits. Yep. And it's a much better shot with a bow and arrow than I am, so I'm going to totally. use it for hunting. Yep, and it's being delivered by drone. Yeah. I actually just I looked into um crossbow hunting. Mhm. 
because I was like, I kind of want to get into hunting, but I don't know if I'm a good enough shot with a bow and arrow. So why? Like, so you're just you don't want to do gun hunting? No, I don't know. There's something about guns that feels like cheating to me. Okay, I can see so, that, man. Uh, so I was like, crossbow might be the way to go. I go online. I'm like, oh, in Washington State, you have to like you have to be disabled to the point where you can't draw a bowstring before it's and then get a special permit and then you can hunt with a crossbow. I didn't wow. realize that. Wow. Yeah, they're like crossbows are cheating. You can't use those. Well, like to, like my wife's brother bow hunts elk. Uh-huh. And he is apparently really good at it. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can hook you guys up. He actually he lives in northern Idaho so he can go hunting on his own property. That's rad. Yeah. Uh, and he freaking kills elk with air- bows and arrows, which I think is like one of the, like, I'm not like, I couldn't do it. I really don't think I could hunt because anytime I see an animal, I just want to hug it. I don't care what it is. Mm. And yeah, you'll eat a hamburger is the oh, thing. Oh, I'll eat every meat, dude. I want every, t- every type of meat. I just don't want to be the one who kills it because I am a wuss. Yeah. But you don't think you, you don't think you would be a better, like, existence no. on this earth to be able to get over that Dude, I've and seen... be responsible for killing the meat that you're going to consume. So I may be able to do that with like, I could do that with like chickens. I can do that with fish. I can do that with probably a cow, <laughs> but like I've seen elk in the Olympic national forest. Roosevelt all could live there and I can never kill an elk that it's like roaming around the wild unless I'm, it's, you know, the zombie apocalypse and I need sustainment. Like, in my comfortable human state right now, I just would not want to go out into the forest and kill an animal because I I would want to go out to the forest and observe the animal in the wild. I, I just, there's, there would never be that inkling of, like, I can't wait well, to Well, you can do both. Oh, God. I mean, I, but like, you, I can't, by necessity, uh, you kind of have to observe it first. Yeah, I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. But at yeah, the same, in the same breath. That Lydia's brother goes out and bow hunts elk is probably like the most like bow hunting is like the most like even though I could never hunt like bow hunting is something that is like so primally human that it's, it's like so badass like I can't I can't deny the badassery of bow hunting you know it's like I'm just gonna draw my bow and shoot this thing and see what happens yeah it's really tough yeah. It's hard. It's not easy to. You gotta be a badass hunt with a bow. You gotta be a badass. Anyway, you also kind of gotta like camping for. <laughs> yeah, you gotta camp in nothing and hike and uh, yeah, get get up to your elbows and guts. Well, I and mean, that's the other thing. You kill the thing, and then you gotta uh, you got to carve it in the field, yeah, quarter it, and then you got to, so my and you're actually right right in right in line with this is. Uh, Liddy's brother says that you you can use the grain um, sacks that you would use for brewing because and they're great to use because they're waterproof and they're big and huh. they're light. So he just packs those and then quarters That's the hilarious. elk, puts them in the grain sacks, and then hikes them out. But you got to hike out all your meat too if you're if you're hunting. Yeah, I so, could totally see that. Yeah. So you're gonna hike out a couple hundred pounds of meat. Which is yeah, also it'll be like three short. or four trips. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, good times. So that's science news. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's move on to some trivia, guys. Uh, we're going to play Trivial Pursuit. Genus 1, 
Um, but before we do, just want to let you know, I forgot to mention this earlier, but if you want to get in touch with us, like the listeners at the beginning of the show, maybe you have something to talk about this new console generation, the future that we're living in, or maybe you want to talk about, uh, bow hunting elk, you can uh, write us an email, <laughs> personal arrogance at gmail.com, or you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail just like JR did at 360-362-0024. All right, let's do some trivia. Going to roll a six-sided dive, see which category we're doing this week. We're playing Genius One, a Trivial Pursuit from the early 80s. It's arts and literature once again, Jesse. Are you ready? I am. I'm learning to love this arts and literature category. I can't believe we, we abstained from it for so long. Um, all right, Jesse, this question's for you. What midday nap? This is right in your alley. <laughs> yeah. what, what midday nap takes its name from the Spanish word sexta, meaning uh, six? The siesta. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, sex. Sex nap. <laughs> uh, it's it's the siesta. All right. This question's for me. Uh, who was King Lear's favorite daughter? Oh, God. I don't know my obscure Shakespearean literature. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Ophelia. I'll go with uh, Lear-Nisha. Lear-Nisha. Oh, Cordelia. I was so close. That's true. All right, Jesse, this question's for you. What's the name of Tom Sawyer's aunt with whom he lives? Oh, Tom Nisha? Good one. <laughs> Caught me drinking there. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Aunt Bessie. Polly. Oh, God, I'm so close this week. So close and yet so far. All right, this question's for me. I need this one to tie. What letter does Sedilla hang from? Sedia hang from? What letter does a Sedia hang from? Oh, okay, got it. I'm gonna go with a Q, letter Q. That's what I was gonna say. I guess I'll go with G. Oh, it's the letter C. What? Uh, what hangs from a letter C? I don't, I'm guessing a Sedia is some kind of uh, marker that's in another foreign language. You know, when you have like a C and oh. then something else above or below it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weird. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, trivia. Jesse, you win trivia this week. Congratulations. I think it's Boy, I redeem myself yeah. somewhat. All right. Well, uh, but I won the roll off, which means it's time for my second topic, which is going to be about movies. Do you know what nemesis means? All right, so de this one comes to us from Dennis Kleinbeck, who posted this in our Facebook roundup this week. Uh, Dennis says, apparently we will get a Boba Fett spinoff written by Lawrence Kasdan, the screenwriter of The Empire Strikes Back. What do you think and what do you want to see in such a movie? So uh, we talked about this a little bit before when Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm. Uh, they announced that they were basically going to release a Star Wars movie every year from 2015 to 2020. Um, and not all those movies were going to be sequels to the Star Wars franchise. Some of them were going to be spinoff films. And apparently one of those spinoff films is going to be a Boba Fett movie. So, Jesse, first of all, this is awesome because this news was broken by the director of Metalocalypse, which is a show on... Uh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't know how... I don't know where he got the, the info from. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Cartoon Network Adult Swim's Metalocalypse director, uh, Sean Schnepp, says that Lawrence Kasdan is writing the Boba Fett spinoff film. First well, of I guess all, he had the inside scoop. Yeah, right on the inside. So first of all, this this uh, this kind of concerns me because you have a guy who wrote The Empire Strikes Back. And people who were associated with the first Star Wars films kind of destroyed the Star Wars franchise. Mainly oh, yeah? George Lucas. Well, mainly George Lucas, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, there was, you know, I think, you know, in the late 90s when we start he- started hearing about these prequels, uh, everybody's like, well, they're going to be great, right? I mean, George Lucas returning the form, it's going to be awesome. And George Lucas himself basically destroyed his own franchise by making these prequel films. Uh, in the eyes of the hardcore fans who don't realize it's a children's film. Well, didn't they already do a Boba Fett prequel, which was the second one, Attack <laughs> of the Clones? Yeah, sort of. I mean, that was the origin story. Right. But they also revealed in that that... Uh, <laughs> they also revealed in that that... Um, uh, that... Boba Fett is basically a empathetic clone of every stormtrooper. Uh-huh. Which is kind of the dumbest Makes sense. thing ever. So interesting thing about John Schnapp, who is the writer of The Empire Strikes Back, is that he um he actually works on Metal Eclipse. <laughs> he's working in animation these days. Uh he worked he works he's a character designer for Metal Eclipse. He uh, worked as the background artist for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. What? And he also worked uh, as an animator for two episodes on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. What? <laughs> That's pretty Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Okay. I think that Dennis Kleinbeck might have been a little off. This is... He might have been a little off. Let me, let me read someone else. <laughs> I think he's a little off. Because he says that Lawrence Kasdan is the screenwriter. Oh, wait a second. I, I completely screwed this up. <laughs> I accidentally IMDB'd John Schnepp, who is, who is the guy who Who's broke the news. Who's the guy the who news. broke the news. <laughs> okay, let's look up Lawrence Kasdan here. Okay, so Lawrence <laughs> Kasdan... Uh, let's rewind here. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan did write Empire Strikes Back. I just want to see what his... Um, what his credits are. So he he's also working on Star Wars Episode Seven. Uh, I'm trying to see. He wrote Wyatt Earp in 1994. He wrote The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner. Oh, right on. He wrote. I the... hope they cast Kevin Costner as <laughs> Boba Fett. Personally, he wrote The Big Chill. Uh, he also wrote Return of the Jedi. So he. This is kind of crazy. So if you look at he, his his filmography, he's writing episode seven. Uh, his previous work was a, a film called Darling Companion, which was released in 2012. His prior work uh, from, from a writing standpoint before that was Dreamcatcher, which came out in 2003, which is a nine-year gap in his career. Um, yeah. It seems like he works kind of off and on. I, uh, I'm sure he's been getting that mailbox money. Well, dude, he wrote Empire Star Strikes Wars. Back, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's he's probably living a good life. Yeah. I would only work every nine years if I could. <laughs> Why not, man? Yeah. 
Well, two Olympics have gone by, so... Well, yeah. four, technically. I guess it's time for me to do another project. <laughs> I love it, dude. He's also a pretty... Uh, you know, he wrote... He also directed a lot of movies. He wrote... what He directed Wyatt Earp. Uh, he directed all of these movies that he's, he's written. So, anyway, I guess we've broken down this Lawrence Kasdan, uh, Jason Schnepp uh, dichotomy. So. <laughs> 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 or John Schnepp. Uh, anything that you'd like to see from a Boba Fett movie? Um, I get. I mean, it's, it's a prequel. Are, are we sure about this? Because well, I, I, I mean, it would have to when be, right? I was a kid, it was always a legend, right? That Dengar would rescue a Boba Fett mm-hmm. from the pit of the Sarlacc monster. Yeah. So if this is ripped directly from Tales of the Bounty Hunters, the novel, how good would that be, dude? I. I, it's weird to me how many people from our generation have read Tales of the Bounty Hunters because, like, it, st- Star Wars novelizations in general. Like, I, I haven't read a lot of Star Wars novels, but I've read st- I've read Tales of the Bounty Hunters when I was like in seventh grade. I feel like it was I, like a pervasive book for our generation. Yeah, I feel like one guy's older brother read it, mm-hmm. then told his younger brother. You know, you know, Boba Fett gets rescued by Dengar. Right. And then that guy went to the recess field, and when everyone was playing <laughs> Star Wars, was like, you guys know that Boba Fett got rescued by Dengar, and then it just, you know, kind of proliferated. Yeah. Uh, thusly. It's, it's the same way that somehow every kid across the nation knows Jingle Bell's Batman Smells. <laughs> Robin Lee. Like, there's name. no official canon there, mm-hmm. but everyone knows it. Batmobile lost its wheel. Exactly. Every kid across the nation knows that song. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also, a, I mean, the Tales of the Bounty Hunters was like a fatty novel, but it was all short stories. Right. So, like, you could feel like you're reading a giant novel when you're, like, 12 <laughs> years old, but, like, you're just reading short stories. So it's a yeah. little more digestible, I think. Right. Which is a good format for 12-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, so the story lies that he, Boba Fett, the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy, gets bumped into by a blind Han Solo his jetpack malfunctions and then he flops into a Sarlacc pit to his doom. Right. So, I mean, the only plausible explanation there is that Han Solo is more force tuned than he would care to admit. I suppose. (laughs) But then to be continued in Tales of the Bounty Hunters, the Sarlacc cannot eat through his Mandalorian armor. No, it takes 900 years to be digested. I thought there was something about the Mandalorian armor. I'm sure that plays a factor. But that's because I, I distinctly remember that that was like one of the reasons given why the Sarlacc couldn't digest him. But he's wearing cargo pants. <laughs> like the Mandalorian armor only covers like 20% of his body. Well, he's wearing Mandalorian cargo pants. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a weave. It's a poly. Uh, right. Poly fabric weave. Love it. That, uh, yeah. I mean, th- this is the thing about. Boba Fett is that if we want to be honest with ourselves as Star Wars fans, the reason why we love Boba Fett is because he looks cool. Yeah, he never really does anything that cool. He, I mean, he, I guess he, he shows up to Cloud yeah, City and gets handed uh, <laughs> yeah. Han Solo by he Darth Vader. He basically follows Han Solo to Cloud City. Yeah. Calls in Darth him. Vader. Darth Vader. <laughs> Uh, absorbs a bunch of blaster uh, shots from into his hand from Han Solo. 
Boba Fett attends a dinner party. Yeah, Boba Fett attends a dinner party. Then a bunch of stormtroopers lead him to <laughs> the carbonite uh, thing, freeze him in there, and then he floats him away to uh, to Tatooine. <laughs> That's all he does. Like it's not that. Gr- I mean, he did. He did know though, and I, I I don't know if this was in the original trilogy or if it was only in the special edition, but he did know. That Han Solo was going to float away with the garbage from the Star Destroyer. Oh no, that's in the regular regular edition. Okay, so he, he ha- figured that one out. He was savvy enough to know that Han Solo was going right. to float away with the garbage. He's just a strong, silent type. I guess so, but and he's also cool. and he looks cool. He looks really cool, and that's, that's possibly why really the coolest uniform of all time. Yeah, I mean, is is it's an awesome look for a character, but is that enough to build a whole movie off of? You bet it is. Okay. <laughs> like, basically, if uh, I think that what they should do for this Boba Fett movie is what they did for Dread. Jesse, have you seen Dread yet? No. It's on Netflix, man. Okay. Watch it. I loved it. I was going to watch Blackfish again. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but, like, Dread, like, it knows what it is. It's like a self-contained story in a, in an apartment complex. So like <laughs> they took a they took something that could have been a giant world-building movie and they condensed it into a single environment, mm-hmm. which I think could be really cool for like a Boba Fett movie where he's that trying way. to track down somebody but in a hostile closed-off environment. Something along Ponda those Baba. lines. Yeah. In the Sarlacc pit. He's trying to track down somebody in the Sarlacc pit. The whole thing takes place in the Sarlacc stomach. (laughs) That's the thing. This was all cover for him to get the next big prize. Right. Who was a wanted fugitive hiding out in the guts (laughs) of the Sarlacc pit monster. But he needed to be... Uh, innocuous as to not let everyone know what his hand was. Right. So he was like, oh, I got tapped by Han Solo. Whoops! <laughs> Just fell in there. <laughs> he was Jabba's palace guard number three is the guy he was really after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little... I, I'm I'm still biding my time. I, You know, like I said before, the, the series has already been running the ground, so just give yeah, me a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Just that's my thing. It's like they've already... They've already screwed it up so bad that right. just just throw it at me. Throw all sorts of spinoffs. Right. Even the Tusken Raiders movie. Tusken Raider movie would be sick. Raiders uh-huh. versus Jawas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zack Snyder was talking about it like a Seven Samurai uh, Jedi movie. Do whatever you want. Make it all crazy. I don't care, man. Yeah. yeah. I'll watch at this it. point, it doesn't matter. I'll watch it once. Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Why not? And we can just hang on to the three original ones if we want to be elitists about it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you, we we will always have those. You'll always have the original trilogy. Right. Which is great. You can't it's a take great that trilogy. from me. Yeah, you can't take it away from us, even if you put a bunch of CGI in it. <laughs> and destroy the original tapes. Yeah. Like, uh, I still, I literally, like, the only VHSs that I still have is the VHS of the special edition trilogy which i got in 1999 uh because really i mean if i want to be honest too we're honest about we only like boba fett because he looks cool i grew up on the special edition like i remember 1997 12 years old going to the theater to watch episode four special edition in the movie theater and that was really 
I had seen the movie a couple times before then, but that was really when it, it got ingrained in me as a viewer. Oh, really? Yeah. Not not this guy. All right. My uncle had the uh, the three original ones on VHS, and I would mm-hmm. borrow them from him, but he would only like give me one at a time. Uh huh. I, I watched them dozens of times yeah. the the original the pre special yeah. edition ones but they might have been enhanced or something but it was like it was like the black box that had like the stormtrooper face mm-hmm. yep. and the darth vader yeah. face i know what you're talking about those are the ones that i really became enamored with as a young lad yeah and i was i was so i was a little bit behind that because i i remember going to the theater and watching him and then my parents bought me for my birthday the special edition uh trilogy vhs tapes and i still have them it's like it's like in a gold box and uh yeah yeah i had darth vader's head on it and then you pull it open (laughs) and uh and those were the tapes (laughs) and it makes a fart noise when you open it exactly and those are the tapes that i watched over and over and over and over and over and like they, it was like pre DVDs, but they all started with like a fifteen minute featurette on all the special edition yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that sucked. And you had to fast forward yeah. through George Lucas talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I was like a kid, and that's when I started really getting into like movie making. So I love that shit. I was like, I want to do this, man. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. watched the featurettes? Yeah, I watched them all the time. I don't think I ever watched one. I just fast forwarded it. Oh, I love it. I love the featurettes. I love it because it was like 1998, probably, when they came out. And uh, they were like, so guess what, guys? So we can have the X-Wings, and then the pilots can move their heads inside the X-Wings. Oh, my God. <laughs> one time I remember I, I just watched one of the Star Wars movies, and you know how they had the uh, the credits had the, the, such great music? Mm-hmm. I think I might have been in fifth grade, and I just started band. I yeah. was like flailing my hands around like I was a director. <laughs> yeah. And then my sister walked in and it was like total shame. <laughs> <laughs> they do have great music though. I mean that's yeah. another thing. I was about pretending Star Wars, to be man. like Bach or something. Yeah, well like you can't turn off the credits to Star Wars. No, it's true. It's like you gotta watch through the whole credits because the music's so good. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, just throw shit at the wall. And Boba Fett, why not, dude? Boba Fett's a badass character. Might as well. Might as well. All right, Jesse, what's your psychotopo? I don't really have a great category for this, All but right. um, I guess we'll put it under diplomacy. All right, uh, because well, let's play guest. <laughs> guest. Our guest well, topic, our, diplomacy. <laughs> our guest this week is one Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah. Who made his, he made his fourth trip to North Korea in two years. Did you know four times he's gone? This guy loves North Korea. He, I think he actually loves North Korea. Because <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. They're probably the only people who still care about Dennis Rodman. <laughs> you know, that might be it, too. He's, like, fulfilling this, like, fame thing yeah. that he's, he's after. There's, you there's know, celebrity li- rehab only got him so far. Yeah, there's literally nothing that, uh, nothing in his past that would indicate that Dennis Rodman is a fame whore. <laughs> I just, I, nothing I that it. would ever you know indicate it doesn't that. make any sense yeah but yeah so he went to north korea again and um i accidentally closed out of the um mm-hmm. 
website I was going to use, and then I, I looked it back up. I couldn't find the original ones, but I got no. the Fox News one. Oh, perfect. Fair and so, balanced, guys. Fair and balanced. Yeah. Um, and uh, this guy is saying, uh, I guess this is a direct quote to mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman, you think Kim Jong-un is your friend, but he's just using you. <laughs> He says he's friendly with you so he can mislead his people. He wants to make them think that the outside world accepts their leader. Finally, the veil has been pulled back on Kim Jong-un. Finally. I thought he was such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. It turns out, no, he's just manipulating poor, innocent Dennis Rodman. What are you going to do, man? Kim Jong-un. political means. I always thought Kim Jong-un was like the Tom Hanks of dictators. Like, everybody loves him, but apparently he's an mm-hmm. asshole. And it's I more of a big Ryan, in my opinion, but I see what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who is the most lovable dictator? Stalin? No way, dude. Gulag's killing his whole cabinet? I don't think so. Mm. I feel like this this is a conversation that could get us in trouble. Uh, Yeah, probably. Some people might be sensitive about all this dictator talk. Yeah, about all like the genocide and stuff. I'll just go with uh, Cincinnati, the original dictator. There you go. So apparently uh, Dennis Rodman sang happy birthday to Kim Jong-un in, uh, in front of a group of former NBA players. Was he wearing like a white dress and long gloves? It's basically the introduction I did mm-hmm. at the beginning of last podcast. Right, exactly. Like the, I wouldn't put it past him. Like he literally got married in a wedding dress. That is true. What the hell was up with that? I dude, it's Dennis Rodman, man. What is this guy's deal? He went on celebrity rehab when he didn't have an addiction. <laughs> that was like his thing on Celebrity Rehab is that he wasn't actually addicted to anything, but he just went on the show. Uh, yeah. Uh. He's, he's, I, I mean, you got to give him props for becoming relevant again. Yeah, why not, dude? He must have been like looking himself in the mirror and be like, what could I possibly do to become <laughs> relevant? He's a, he's kind what of, could he's, I even do? He's a fame genius. <laughs> I'll go to North Korea four times in a row. <laughs> it's so weird. The The other part about this is that Kim Jong-un hangs out with him. Yeah, they. I think they're actually friends. They hang out together. They hang out. They shoot hoops. <laughs> I wonder if, like, he has to, like, let Kim Jong-un. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, win. Dunk on him a couple times. <laughs> like, not even has like far, four guys who pick him up, like give him an assist, like yeah. with the dunk. Yeah. And then this is just like, ah, you got you dunked on me, man. You dunked oh. on me, man. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this Dennis Rodman guy. Well, you know, there was also you know we watched this. Re- I watched this recap of Kickstarter. Apparently, there was a Kickstarter this year that sent two rappers to North Korea to film a video. Oh really? Yeah. I'm starting to think that maybe you and I should go to North Korea. I've, it's kind of like, like why we not? We could do a podcast tour. We could sing Happy Birthday to you, Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Have you seen, if, if anybody hasn't seen it, go to vice.com and watch the North Korea vi- uh, videos. There's like two hour long episodes. Yeah, that is whack. It's crazy. It's whack city. It's crazy, dude. Like, they don't, like, 
you know, all kidding aside, North Korea, like the human rights violations to their citizens is insane. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. This like, will go down in history as, you know, a black spot on the human race for sure. Yeah, it's like they basically starve out all of their citizens and then they also mind control them to the point where if there's any dissonance at all, it's off to the work camp with you and you'll never be seen again. Yep. Uh, Dictatorship 101. Yeah. Like they they literally send uh, political prisoners to the same place that Stalin sent uh, political prisoners. They send them to Siberia. Right. Like, it's crazy. And so, you know, all that aside, like, they, they go, like, they go to North Korea in these Vice videos, but they want, like, the, if you go there, you go on a state-sanctioned tour. Right. So, and they are chaperoned the entire time. Chaperoned the entire time. They, like, will take you to a room in your, like, a dining hall in your hotel, and it'll be a full dining hall. There'll be, uh... plates on every table they'll bring out food for every table but you're the only person in the dining hall yeah that's whack and there's a there's a famine in the country like they don't have enough food for people and they're bringing out food for like a show to tourists to say north korea is really great guys (laughs) as though that would work yeah (laughs) like yeah i went there i went to north korea yeah I was the only person at the restaurant, but there's food on every table. They must have so much food there. They got there. so much food, guys. Obviously, they have so much food because of that. And because they did that. That's the tragedy. It's like they're not fooling anybody, but they're they think they are. And that's like that's where the humor comes from because these people are so hard to take seriously. So you're really hard to take serious, but then at the same time, you're also, like, killing your people. You're also monsters. You're also horrible monsters. You're a crazy, horrible monster because you're pretty dumb. And you hang out with Dennis Rodman. So that makes it okay. This whole thing is, like, (laughs) I'm getting so depressed now. Well, it's not as bad as Blackfish. I know. I'm thinking about whales in captivity. (laughs) Uh, 2014, man. The future is now. The the future is now. <laughs> Innovation and captivity. I tried to talk about a heartwarming story of a uh, paralyzed teen kicking a soccer ball at the World Cup, but no, you wouldn't have it. I know. I got derailed. <laughs> derailed the derailed it right off right off the bat. Oh man, do you think he goes back? Do you think Dennis goes back for trip five? I think uh. so, but he'll uh, he'll end up in a work camp. Oh God! That's this is the, this is the saga of Dennis Rodman. He goes back to North Korea fifth time and is never seen again. No, Doctor Drew will save him. Doctor Drew sure. will travel to Siberia <laughs> and rescue Dennis Rodman. This is becoming kind of an intriguing VH1 special. Totally, or HLN. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what network this could end up on? All right, well, speaking of networks, uh, we're going to get to the Facebook roundup. But before we do, we're going to talk to you about the Ball Move Network. Guys, uh, Ball Move Network, we've been a part of their network for like a long time now, 70-plus episodes. Um, Of course, uh, they got all your TV covered. They got The Walking Dead covered. They got Game of Thrones covered. They got Breaking Bad covered. Uh, There's even some Justified. If you look in the annals of the Ball Move lore, there's also Jersey Shore cast. So... uh, Check that one out if you get a chance. Um, also, of course, the Because Show is on there. The ladies down in Southern California, they're awesome. And hopefully uh, we'll see them at, in late February. Hopefully they can come down to San Diego and hang out with us. Um, 
Also, uh, up yours downstairs, covering everything Edwardian. Guys, uh, Downton Abbey is coming back. That is up yours downstairs, bread and butter. So if you're watching Downton Abbey, be sure to go onto baldmove.com and also check out up yours downstairs to get all the commentary, all the jokes. They're like professional comedians. They're not just a couple of hacks like me and Jesse. They're actually funny. So listen to them if you're watching, uh, if you're watching that. And of course, we're on there as well. Uh, and then you can get in touch with us. You can email us, personalerrogates at gmail.com. You can give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 360-362-0024. Follow us on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Uh, we're also on Facebook at the Bald Move Facebook page and the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. And also please rate and review us on iTunes. We're getting a lot of great reviews on there, guys. And uh, keep them coming. It moves us up those podcast rankings, makes this Personal Arrogance family a little bit bigger each and every week. So uh, if you haven't done so... It takes like two minutes. Go on iTunes, uh, rate us and review us, and uh, we'd love to get your voice on uh, on that thread. And all of the nice people who have done that, uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, also, just want to give a quick recap. Uh, over $3,600 was raised by our Bald Move family for Child's Play in December, and uh, can't thank everybody enough for that. So uh, you guys rock. You are our listeners, and this show is about you. Uh, so get your voice on it. And one of the ways you could do that is with the Facebook Roundup. Each week, we post that we're recording on Facebook. And if you want us to talk about something, just post it on there. Dennis Kleinbeck posted an article about a Boba Fett movie. And guess what? We talked about it. But we'll also hit on everything. So first up, John O'Brien, how about some music rep- recommendations? Jesse, have any music recommendations? Uh, no. Anything you're listening to at the brewery? It doesn't have to be new. Uh, I guess Animal Collective. Why not? If you haven't, dude, like today I listened to the shit out of some Hawthorne Heights, which is... I don't know what that is. Isn't that a neighborhood? Uh, I don't know. But Hawthorne Heights is a, uh, like, pop screamo band from the early 2000s. And I don't know how you like your screamo. They, uh, they were one of my favorite bands in, like, 2004. And I always listen to them when I'm in traffic because it helps me get out my aggression. It like, <laughs> it like I could just put all my aggression into the music and then I don't get phased by the traffic around me. I don't have traffic where I live. Good for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. We don't have really good recommendations. But apparently Animal Collective and Hawthorne Heights, if you're looking for a little nostalgia. Les says, what podcasts are you guys listening to these days, Jesse? Um, I've been listening to a lot of History of Rome back on that kick. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Bill Burr, or Bill Burr, Monday Morning Podcast. Uh, and so, I've, uh, I've been listening to Welcome to Night Vale, which is like a uh, narrative Lovecraftian NPR podcast. NPR-esque. It's not done by NPR, but they like are a public radio station in a Lovecraftian town in the middle of the desert in the southwest. It's kind of interesting. We, there's also, I mean, I'm listening to a lot of uh, WTF with Mark Marin. I'm uh, listening to uh, uh, How Did This Get Made. Um, yeah, that's about all I'm listening to. Now football season's over. I'm done with my fantasy football podcast. So. Football season is not over. <laughs> well, fantasy football season We're going is going into the playoffs right now. <laughs> Uh, Chris says, what do you think about the possible return of Jesus Shuttlesworth? Do you I know don't know what that is. So apparently Jesus Shuttlesworth is Ray Allen. 
uh, and this is an NBA comment. And unfortunately, I, I don't think Chris realizes that the NBA. I like I didn't even under, I didn't even know that the NBA was still around. Like uh, I thought that they just moved all of their teams to like small market cities and then dissolved. That's that's the last I heard of the NBA. So is that like is that like the minor league NFL? I think so. Okay. Uh, but also Ray Allen is one of the one of the last Sonics. So I don't know. Good for him, but I like literally I, I could give two shits about the NBA. They leave my town. I'm done with them. Uh, maybe Dennis Rodman has something to say about it. <laughs> maybe. Ollie James from England says, did you watch the first two episodes of Community Season 5 that have aired so far? If so, what do you think? I already thinks it's better than Season 4. And Ollie, actually, I stopped watching in Season 4 because I didn't think it was very good. So maybe I should pick it up because I haven't seen Season 5. So maybe that's something to check out on Hulu is some Community Season 5. Tim Gunn says, any tips for a new DM, Jesse? I gotta throw this to the the DM of my heart, Mr. Jesse Wilson. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the number one thing is to treat it like improv comedy. Mm-hmm. Don't tell don't tell your guys no. Try and do yes and you know when when your player is wanting to do something, it's probably because they want to do it. So try and accommodate it. I I've played with shut down DMs that are like, no, you can't do that. No. No, you can't do that, and that's no fun. You gotta, you gotta accommodate what your players want to do, and then you'll have a good time. And you know, you can make it interesting too, and you still have all the power. But uh, just try and let them do what they want to do in the world. Jesse, I miss D and D with you, man. I miss D and D so much. I want to play D and D so bad. Every time, so I, bad. Every time I play D and D, like the last time we played over Skype with you, me and, and Levi. And, like, I was just sitting there, like, summoning animals, chasing down a dude through the city streets. It was the fun, most fun thing ever. Yeah, even though fun. I, wanna, even I, wanna though I was play playing really it bad. incorrectly. <laughs> but it was still really fun. Yeah, I'll uh, do it again if someone wants to organize it. But I'm, I'm not yeah. going to do all the work and also do all the organization. Okay. That's, That's... fair, man. But... <laughs> Uh, honestly, like I love playing D and D and you are the only DM I've ever played with. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd probably have fun playing, playing with other DMs. It's totally, you get a totally different experience when you play with a different group. It's kind of cool to see how different groups of people interpret the same, you know, three books in Uh different ways. Well, I got my 3.5 right here in my desk, man. My 3.5 player manual. I'm t- I'm telling I'll do it if you organize it, but I'm not going to organize it and DM it. All right, maybe we'll we'll, we'll maybe we'll have to figure something out. Now I'm yeah. jonesing for some D and D. Oh uh, man, I, I, since I've been reading Game of Thrones, you have no idea. <laughs> it's just been like nonstop firing in my brain. Like, <laughs> let's invent this world. I'm like, maybe we should focus on like. I don't know, making some money or doing my job really well. And my brain's like, no, actually, let's create a whole world. Yeah. Let's just create a whole fake world. Well, a good way to get that off your brain is to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It's like I, I, I was like thinking nonstop about this board game that I've been working on for like <laughs> two years. And I finally got the whole fucking thing uploaded to the Game Crafter. Yeah, kind of just got to put pen to paper. And now I, I feel like my brain is like freed up. Because I'm like, 
<laughs> All right, it's loaded up. That one's done. That's awesome. Yeah. You've like, I was like, uh, my brain is like, I'm running out of hard disk space, so I need to <laughs> upload it onto something. Exactly. I need to shift this data somewhere else. <laughs> and then finally, we got Anthony. He says, Podcast Reco Sawbones by one of the Mabim Bam brothers and his wife. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it. I haven't listened to it yet. Do you know which Mabim Bam brother it is? It's Justin. Okay. That's what I thought. Because his wife is a uh, doctor. doctor. Yeah. Like a real-ass doctor. Because yeah. I wasn't sure, because I know that uh, Griffin is also married now, I'm pretty sure. All three of them are now. Travis is married? Uh-huh. Somebody married that guy? They- <laughs> Burn. <laughs> yeah, Travis and Griffin got married, like, within a month of each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Griffin, Mac- Griffin McElroy is always on... Uh- polygon and he always looks so annoyed every time he's on there by everything i don't like watching them yeah i don't really like it either they are made for podcasting made for, just like made you and i <laughs> although my wife can't stand them she says they have weird accents the mcelroy guy yeah yeah they got that west virginia twang a little bit it's a weird accent but like i'm like it's not really like a known accent <laughs> no, it's pretty It's like obscure. this weird amalgamation of Midwest, Southern, and like New England. Appalachian. Yeah, it's like this um, crazy meld. I uh, like it personally. I like it too. I think it's I think it's a dulcet drawl, just like uh, our friend the Roger Kentucky Dotsie. Colonel himself. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so Sawbones, I guess it's about medical stuff. Yeah, it's like medical. Is I guess the premise is like. They kind of find stupid medical stuff from the past, of like, like take leeching, for example, mm-hmm. and then they kind of riff on it. Cool. But I haven't actually listened to it, so I don't know. Well, it's a reco, so uh, so we should check it out. Speaking of recos, Jesse, what's your first reco this week? Well, um, I alluded to it earlier, but Blackfish is a documentary you can stream on Netflix. It is some fucked up stuff. You will cry if you are a human, which Jesse is not, so he did not cry. I did not cry, but um, that does not mean that I did not experience profoundly how fucked up this whole situation is. And without spoiling anything, at one point, someone made a really good uh, point, let's say point twice, um, Mm -hmm. and basically said, in 50 years, we're going to look back on this and just think how barbaric it was. Yeah. And I think they make a very good point at describing that. Yeah, I think there's, there's a few things that have happened in recent memory that it's like, do you want to be on the right side of history? And this one yeah. establishes what the right side of history is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. Like this and like marriage equality. Yeah. And I didn't know so much <laughs> of this orca harvesting happened in the Puget Sound, like yeah. right where we live. Right where we live. They just went out and got all the baby orcas. I, I had no idea. And now all those pods are in decline. Yeah, totally. I mean, they like never come here anymore. It's like, yeah, yeah. no kidding. No kidding. Because we never stole come all down. the babies. Yeah, they never come down in the Puget Sound anymore. No, they don't. And it's they like, stay yeah. up in the San Juan Islands. Exactly. Yep. They came down here once in the 70s and we stole all the babies. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <sighs> Man, it just makes me think like people must have used to take like ferry rides and see orcas all the time. Yeah, probably. Oh. <sighs> But then the, it was the 70s, so the ferry captains were like, let's see if we can hit a couple, and everyone cheered. Yep, and then they all did coke. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> the, 
My first reco this week is going to be a show. It's on Netflix. It's Marin. Talked about WTF with Mark Marin. Uh, is that good? I've seen it. I mean, I haven't watched it, but so I saw that it was there. It's It hits its stride in the fourth episode. So mm. if you can muscle through the first three, it hits its can stride Can you just in the skip fourth. to the fourth episode? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say maybe. I'm going to give that okay. a solid maybe. And then it also kind of like diminishes toward the end. My wife really did not like the ending. Of I don't the first think season. I'm going to watch this. Yeah, I watched it. I mean, like I said, like I listen to WTF like a lot. I think I I've tried watching to... a stand-up comedy special. Oh, yeah. I thought stank. No, I, if you're going to listen to the WTF podcast, you always fast forward to like 13 minutes in because that gets <laughs> past his monologue. I can't stand his monologue. See, that's not good. But I like his interviews. Like his, he's mm. a very good interviewer. And yeah, I think that's a strength. Yeah. But uh, but I don't know. It's I, the same with Adam Carolla. Yeah, Adam Carolla is a really good interviewer, but when he goes on his like sixteenth rant yeah. in uh, one week about like I don't think that uh, kids are as smart as they were in the fifties, it's like all right, <laughs> just get to the part where you're interviewing someone, please. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I do. I skip forward, but I don't know. I watched it, man. And uh, there's plenty of stuff in it. I also watched Willard. Check that one out. It's Elijah Wood and a dog that only he sees as a human and everyone else sees as a dog. Interesting. So, a couple Multiple stuff. recos. Also, uh, I'm on, like I, I think I talked about this last week, but I'm on my yearly watch through of Freaks and Geeks. So, if you haven't seen Freaks and oh, Geeks yeah. in a while, watch through that. It's good. Yeah, Seco that's Reco. a great show. It's great, dude. Seco Reco for you. Well, it's Netflix Central over here because my recommendation is going to be a documentary called Bronies. Oh, really? It's on Netflix? It's streaming on Netflix. Oh. And I... Are we opening up this can of worms again, man? This was like a six-week can of worms for I us. I know. I owe the Brony community an apology. Really? I do. Really? I do. I What I was saying before was that I thought that Bronies were ironic mm -hmm. and i thought that they were watching the show in sort of a hipster fashion to be the hipsters of the nerd world right but um after watching this documentary i realized that bronies are totally sincere so sincere they are sincere about their love of my little pony mm -hmm. and um i'm just gonna say i'm sorry and if uh princess twilight's uh, Sparkle has taught you anything that is you should uh, forgive when someone's asking for an apology. So wow, turned... totally my it really changed my perspective on this whole Brony thing. I've wanted to see this doc. I didn't know it was on Netflix, but I've wanted to see it because yeah, it it's like... on Netflix. So you should watch it. Yeah, dude. All right, Bronies, man. This might this is the final word on the Brony debate, the personal arrogance Brony debate, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's case closed. All right. And then uh, my final record this week, it's an iOS game. It's called uh, Duet. And I've been playing it a lot. It was uh, one of the writers for Polygon, not any, Polygon nominated it for Game of the Year. So I decided to pick it up for $1.99. And very, like, great game. It's got a great soundtrack. And it's just kind of like a nice, obscure, dexterity-ish game. Um, that's that's worth the money. So if you're if you're looking for a new iOS experience, uh, pick up Duet. Do it. Do it. All right, Jesse. Uh, I think that's the show, man. Wrap it up. Spank it on the bottom. Call spank it a podcast. It right on the bottom, and and dude, a week from the day.
the kingdom of the Netherlands will expand, and what will happen with the kingdom of the Huns? I I can't tell you how excited I am to play Civ again. Well, with Sydney conquered, I know there's no there's, there's nothing, nothing beyond your grasp. Stopping me. I mean, what do you got? How many turns you got for the courthouse in Sydney? Uh, I don't know. It's still in revolt. So. <laughs> Once you tame that beast and then build up the build up the population again, that thing will be a well oiled machine in like probably yeah, another hundred turns. Just sharting out horse archers. <laughs> All right, man. Well, until next time, remember that wherever you go, <laughs> whatever you do, please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant. Scourge of God. <laughs> Thank you.